Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Some stories have a satisfying ending. One where the bad guy goes to prison and the victims get the justice they deserve. Today's story is not one of those tales. On September 24th, 1969, a man was born who would find himself at the wrong end of a gun wielded by one of his victims. A man who may or may not have been a dangerous serial killer, but took the lives of at least nine women. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On July 18, 2015, a woman named Heather Saul killed a man in Charleston, West Virginia, named Neil Falls. When police arrived at the scene, Heather gave a horrifying story that made them second-guess any of their first impressions. Heather was a local sex worker who had been communicating back and forth with Neil online before agreeing to come to his residence on July 18th. When she entered his home, Neil held her at gunpoint, and a serious struggle ensued between the pair, with Heather, while being strangled, grabbing a rake and, while Neil tried to take that away from her, she grabbed his gun and shot blindly behind her. She shot him in the head, killing him instantly. On his body were four sets of handcuffs, and inside his car was a machete, axes, knives, a shovel, a sledgehammer, bleach, plastic trash bags, bulletproof vests, clean socks, and clean underwear. Now, police were more than certain Heather's story was correct, but in order to do their due diligence, they began looking into Neil's life and, more importantly, his criminal record. Neil Martin Falls was born on September 24, 1969 in Eugene, Oregon, into an impoverished family with nine other siblings and an aggressive father whom he tried to avoid at all costs. While still a young student, Neil began showing a deep interest in firearms, and subsequently with military paraphernalia. He eventually left school to work low-skilled labor jobs and, for the most part, lived a fairly normal, safe, and law-abiding life. After spending much of his life hopping from city to city in Oregon, in 1992, Neil decided to move to Greenberg, Kansas to live with his father until his death in 1995. 
Upon returning to Oregon, he found a job as a private security officer where, after training, his fingerprints were entered into a national database in 1998, something that would come into play a little bit later in his life. In 2000, Neil moved to Henderson, Nevada, where he would live for eight years while working security at the Hoover Dam. It was around this time that the well-liked, well-behaved man started to shift into something a little bit more deviant and a hell of a lot more dangerous. He began abusing animals, earning some disciplinary actions as a result, spending most of his time with sex workers and their pimps, and in the mid-2000s, visited the Philippines solely to take part in their sex tourism. In 2008, he was forced to quit his job after sexually harassing another colleague and, after his dismissal, started to show signs of dromomania, the desire and need to wander, living in places like Indiana, Kentucky, Oregon, and Texas, being stopped and sometimes detained in over 20 states throughout the whole ordeal over things like traffic violations. Then, in January of 2015, he received some devastating news. First came the information that a woman with whom he was intimately related was married, and shortly thereafter came the death of his mother. Both events greatly affected his increasingly fragile emotional state, as a monster started to brew inside of him. Which brings us back to Charleston in July of 2015. With all of this in mind, police started to really give Neil's home a once-over, and found objects that, coupled with his modus operandi and transient lifestyle, made them seriously consider him as a suspect in the disappearances of at least nine women in the states of Illinois, Ohio, and Nevada, who were later found dismembered in places like California, Illinois, and Nevada. A killer also known as the Chillicothe serial killer. All of the missing women, like Heather Saul, advertised their business online with three disappearing from a suburb in Las Vegas from 2003 to 2007 and six more from Chillicothe, Ohio, a two-hour drive from Charleston, hence the nickname. Women like Charlotte Trigo, a 27-year-old mother of two, sex worker and heroin addict, who disappeared after May 3, 2014, and her friend, Tamika Lynch, who, at just 30, went missing on May 16, 2014, was reported missing on May 20th by her husband, and was placed in the system two days later by police who believed that there was, quote, no reason to believe she was in any danger. With rumors swirling and a police investigation that was less than perfect, Tamika's body was found a few days later clothed in only a pair of socks by kayakers in Paint Creek. Three days later, police took a report from a woman saying that she was assaulted by a man who said, I'm going to kill you like I did the other girl and they'll never find her. The man's car and hatchet found inside were processed for DNA, but nothing connected him to Tamika. He pleaded guilty to the assault and died of an overdose in 2017. Tips continued to come in about both Charlotte and Tamika, most of which involved drugs or owing money to a dealer. And as distrust and fear continued to grow, a 37-year-old woman named Wanda Lemons disappeared, leaving behind even less of a trace for police to follow. Then came a 20-year-old pregnant woman named Shasta Himmelrich, who was reported missing in December of 2014 and found drowned the next month. Her death was ruled a suicide. 
Tiffany Sayer, 26, disappeared in May of 2015 and found in June. Timberly Claytor, 38, who was found shot to death the same month Tiffany disappeared. And 31-year-old Rebecca Cade, who was found bludgeoned and stabbed to death, hanging on a fence by her sleeve in October of 2015. Someone was terrorizing the city of Chillicothe, and police really weren't sure how to end the reign of terror. They made a task force for the missing women, dedicated a whole conference room to the victims and the little evidence they had, called the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation, the FBI, and Homeland Security, and put all of their best men on the streets. Nothing. And because they could not definitively connect the crimes, they were hesitant to use the term serial killer. As they combed through almost 600 recorded tips, many of which they had to take with a grain of salt due to the witnesses' substance abuse, some of the cases were labeled as closed due to a suicide ruling, as was the case in Shasta and Rebecca's case, despite their family's disputes, while the arrest and conviction of a man named Jason McCrary closed Timberley's case. But that still left the others a complete mystery. The connection between these women and the location of Neal Falls at the time of their disappearance seemed too much to be a coincidence, and an investigation into the connection was opened. Unfortunately, there was no direct link nor physical evidence to say with certainty that Neal Falls was the Chillicothe serial killer nor was there enough of a connection to close the cases of the three other women outside of Ohio, Jody Brewer, Lindsay Marie Harris, and Misty Marie Sains. And in 2018, he was tested for his involvement in the I-70 murders that occurred in the Midwest in the spring of 1992. He was living in Kansas at the time and looked like the suspect sketch. Again, no concrete evidence connecting him to the crimes could be found. In the end, we have no idea if Neil Falls was actually responsible for these murders. Maybe he was completely innocent, though that does seem unlikely. Maybe he is only responsible for some of the murders. Or maybe he was a monster who killed, at minimum, nine women only to be stopped by one brave victim who wasn't about to have her name added to a terrifying list. An unsatisfying ending that can, hopefully be remedied in the future. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 25th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.